Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We know that it is only you that puts us in a position, God, to have spaces. We know that it's you that puts us in a position to lead. We know that it's you, God, that creates the kind of atmosphere for us to have opportunity. So we know that all things come from you. It's with that in mind, Lord. We ask that we would have ears to hear what you have us to say. We pray that the Spirit of God would fall fresh on this place and you would remind us, not only your word, but give us direction in our walk. Help us to say no to sin and yes to you in Christ's name. Amen? Amen. Amen. This series has really been built out of 1 Kings, but it's also built out of so many counseling sessions I've had with so many of you who are wanting to be here in this city with a dream, a goal, a plan, a deep desire. But because of our culture, there is this constant pressure to move into what you believe God has for you fast. The pace is killing you. The anxiety is killing you. The comparison is killing you. The desire to not just do what God has asked you to do, but to be top 40 under 40, top 30 under 30, to be quick and fast and to see your friends being elevated in a time which is quicker than yours. And some of them aren't obedient to God like you are. And so you're confused. And, and the Bible is true. First Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you in due season. That is true. He will exalt you in due season. And many of us hear the latter part of that text about him exalting us, but we miss the former, that he wants us to be humble and he wants to humble us. And so because of the pace of the culture, we tend to over, have an overemphasis on the promise and an underemphasis on the process. The process is slow. And the world promises you two years. The Bible shows you two decades. Slow towards obedience and humility. And the reason why humility is so important to your elevation because when you know it's God that did it, even if he puts you on a platform, you won't leave him because you know he placed you there. He wants your heart and he's humbling you so he can keep your heart because he can give you opportunity and yet your heart can wander. And today we're going to look at Solomon because Solomon is a man who started off so well, but he did not finish well because of his heart. His heart did not stay and remain unto God. First Kings 3.3, this is what it says about Solomon. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the, stat in the statutes of David, his father. Solomon truly meditated on the scriptures 
And he asked, God said he would give him anything. And the man asked for wisdom. And God gave him a wisdom in abundance. He gave him finances in abundance. The temple he creates worth over $14 billion, just the temple he creates for the Lord. The man is wealthy beyond measure. And what we see in 1 Kings is all throughout the chapter, we're seeing Solomon slowly climb. And by the time we get to chapter 10, we see the height of his power. Everyone's following Solomon. The kingdom's not divided. Everyone wants to come to listen to Solomon. Queen Sheba makes her way to listen to him. And everyone listens to Solomon because he's so wise. And yet, even this man who had everything going for him, when we see the end of this book, we're going to see he walks away from the Lord. Do you know that could be you? Do you know that you can start well but not finish your walk well? I've come, you know, I've met so many people that come in with so much energy. They get baptized. They're excited. They're in Bible study. They're reading. They're my loudest amen corner. And here's what I've learned. Initial enthusiasm doesn't equate to long-term faithfulness. Just because you came in excited and hot, ready, does not mean you will have the long, slow faithfulness that God desires. This drift of Solomon didn't happen overnight. There's literally not one thing that happens. It's a slow decline away from God. Here's the truth. Solomon's heart slowly became desensitized to sin. He slowly tolerated sin in his life and in his household. And once he became accustomed to it, he did not notice the change in his life. It was a slow drift. You know right from wrong. Satan will make things wrong look right so that you don't notice it. The old adage is, how do you cook a frog? You put that frog in a pot. Room temperature is about 70 degrees. A frog will sit in it, in that pot of its 70 degrees. So you take it out its tank and you put it in a pot of 70 degrees. And then you slowly crank it up to 75 and to 80. And to boiling water is 200. And over time, to cook the frog, you just slowly raise the temperature. And before you know it, the same frog that if it felt 200 degrees, it would jump right out. But the slow gravitation, the slow movement, the slow heat, the slow rise, all of a sudden, he's getting cooked. I see this all the time. Our church is so young. People are so excited. They're so excited, and they want to succeed so bad. And one of the things that I see so many people working hard for is a place at the table where everybody's leading, where all the decisions are being made. Everybody wants a place at the table. And sometimes, to get a place at the table, we sacrifice the one we say we love. Our integrity wanes. Our devotion wanes. 
we just start slowly creeping away from fellowship and we find a new community for ourselves. And one of the worst things that can happen is that you get a place at that table. Not realizing you're not at the table, you're on the menu. Your walk with God is getting cooked. Your whole world has changed. And Satan has completely manipulated you to think, to have a voice in this world is the greatest thing. The greatest thing you can have is intimacy with the Father. That's success. And when you lose that vision, you will replace it with man's eyes, man's voice, man's eyes, man's leadership. So Solomon is going to show us, see, Solomon's life is meant for us to see ourselves. So look at his life. In 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 4 and 5, it reads this way. If you walk before me as David, your father, walked with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever, as I have promised David, your father, saying, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. I think the timer is out here. This because if I don't have a timer, thanks be to Christ Jesus, they're really going to kick us out. <laughs> First Kings 9. So here in the text, the Lord gives him a direct warning. Please continue to walk with me. Now, I want to show you something. This phrasing, if you're studying First Kings, you'll, if you've studied it, you may have become accustomed to hearing this phrasing about walking before me. Because this same exact phrasing in 1 Kings 2.4, God says the same thing to David. In 1 Kings 6.12, God says it to Solomon. In 1 Kings 8.25, Solomon says it to God. That means he had it memorized. And in 1 Kings 9.4 and 5 right here, God repeats it to Solomon. Solomon was fully aware of what God was saying. It wasn't because he was unaware. He was clearly warned. In verse 6 and 7, it goes on to say, but... If you turn aside from following me, you or your children, and do not keep my commandments and my statutes that I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will cut off Israel. What God was saying and what he said in 1 Kings 6 and what I talked about right before the message, Solomon had created this incredible temple and God keeps saying the same thing in 1 Kings 2 and 1 Kings 6 and 1 Kings 8, 1 Kings 9. Keep it personal, Solomon. Don't just go and do ceremonies for me. Keep it personal. Walk before me. Be intimate with me. Talk with me. Keep it personal. Don't just read your word. Make it personal. Don't just give me money. Make it personal. Keep walking with me. And all that he heard, if you don't see yourself, you're going to miss the point. There's a very good chance you can start performing because it's not personal anymore. Wow, it's performative. You see, a lot of times people come to church to what they call have a moral mouthwash. They want to feel better for what they've been doing. So they come and they get, oh, they, they my amen section. Yeah, doc. Oh, yeah, doc. I mean, they, whoa, they really give, they cry. I mean, they really cry after sermon. They just, that touched me in a different way. But they're not changing because it's not personal anymore. Wow. That's what he keeps saying. Listen, listen, keep it personal. 
Keep it personal, not just ceremonial, not just religious. Keep it personal, Solomon. Be intimate with me. Talk with me. Be with me. That's what he's saying. And the gaze of your eyes can get off of him and get on success so easily. If it happened to Solomon, who God spoke directly to, it can happen to me. It can happen to you. Now, why doesn't anyone warn him, though? Because, you know, if I see you waning from fellowship, somebody's going to say, hey, come on back in. Why, Why doesn't anyone say anything to Solomon? Let me tell you why. Because Solomon looked spiritually impressive. Some of you look so impressive, no one asks you questions anymore. You see, when you were doing your dirt and posting it and stuff, people were like, pray for them because they just, they are out there and they're just walking away. But, but see, now you're really good because you've got, you've got the verses down. You come into the church, you might be leading a little bit. See, I'm talking about a particular type of person that's gotten to the place where people are looking for you to accountability. They're not even thinking you, they don't even think to ask you questions. How's your walk is not a phrase you hear anymore. You see, what happens here is 1 Kings 9, 19, look what happens. It says, and all the store cities that Solomon had and cities for his chariots and cities for his horsemen and whatever Solomon desired to build in Jerusalem and Lebanon and all the land of his dominion. Let me just tell you, you just heard a phrase you've never heard before. A store city. Solomon was so rich that he had entire cities dedicated to storage. He had an entire city dedicated to chariots. You don't know balling on that level at all. He had an entire city dedicated to horsemen. That's like a storage facility as a city. You don't know that kind of success. What I'm telling you is when someone is spiritual and successful, everybody thinks it must be God. So people go, oh, wow. Look at you. Wow, look at all that. You got a storage city? Wow. I've never even heard that phrase before I read this unmatched wealth. He looks successful. But the other thing about him, which was fascinating, was it says in 1 Kings 9.25, three times a year, Solomon used to offer up burnt offerings and peace offerings onto the altar that he built to the Lord, making offerings with it before the Lord. So he finished the house. He did all the ceremonial offerings. He did everything required of him in the law. No one would have noticed. And in our context, you know when you join one of our growth groups, you know if you're on a serving team, you know if you're giving financially, outside of that, we really can't tell. I really don't know your intimacy with God. The only person that knows the true context of your intimacy is you and the Lord. 
We can put you in systems. We can put you in groups, but we can't put you on your knees. We can't create that. And that's got to be a hunger inside of you. That's got to be personal. It's personal, not ceremonial. And so not only was he wealthy, but he had a, he looked like he had a walk with God. And then in 1 Kings, the next chapter, it says, and when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, she was asking him all these questions. She's coming in with all her pomp and circumstance and she has her chariots and whatnot. And she says, not only does she see the wisdom, look at this. Not only does she see the wisdom, she sees the house that he had built. Look at this temple. You mu- you're wise. You, you have all these quotes. You, you look at this house you built for the Lord. Then it goes on to say, verse five, the food of his table, the seating of his officials, the attendance of his servants, their clothing, his cupbearers, and his burnt offerings. The offerings he had up to the Lord. He's doing everything right. Offered at the house of the Lord. This is what happens to the queen. Read what it says. It says, there was no more breath in her. Solomon took people's breath away. You talk about the hangout, boy. Woo! Man, if Solomon was up in this piece, you wouldn't even be paying attention to the message right now. You'd only say amen if Solomon said amen. Like, was that good, Solomon? It was good, amen. It was a, shoot, this brother got attention and praise. Do you know what Solomon said in Proverbs? Solomon said in Proverbs 27 and 21, the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and a man is tested by his praise. A crucible is where you test metal to see its purity. You know what it's saying? The real test is when people praise you. When people just keep, oh, wow, you're just just so just so impressed with you. You're just, the way you do things, your walk with God, I'm just so overwhelmed. You see, some of you want to get to this place where people start depending on you. What happens when you become spiritually responsible for people? People start depending on you. And then you start learning your word and you start praying and people start seeing you do stuff in public and all of a sudden, no one's asking you questions. They're just praising you. The real test is when people are impressed. Especially big people. And after this chapter, it's all downhill. After Queen Sheba, we see this go in decline. First Kings 11. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidian, Hittite with him, brown, yellow, Puerto Rican, Haitian. <laughs> Verse two, from the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, all right, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after other gods. Not, not, not might. The Lord definitively warned them, they will turn your heart away from God. Now, much is made of this text 
because Solomon obviously has a lot of wives. The Bible says that he has 700 wives and 300 concubines. So he is constantly with women. And when you look at this text, you end up saying, see, sex is what drew him away from the Lord. And let me tell you this, sex was the platform, sex was the portal, but that's not what drew him away from the Lord. It wasn't just the sex. It was the women. It was the relationship. It was the community. Let me put it a different way. Look what it says. It does not say he turned his heart from the Lord. It doesn't say his heart just turned from the Lord. It says they will turn your heart from the Lord. The pathway was sex, but the end game was idolatry. What happened was he began to worship another God. He worshiped their gods. Understand, y'all. Certainly this text tells us that we need to be cautious about our sexual desires. Certainly this text tells us that we need to live lives of purity. But let me give you a word of caution. The real problem here wasn't just sex, it was his fellowship. It was the community he let himself into. I've seen so many people be so excited for the Lord, and then I look at their friends. And they start worshiping the kind of life and lifestyle their friends have. They start bowing to the idol of their friends' questions about God. Because they increase their fellowship in the world and they decrease their fellowship in Christ. That is one of the key pathways to disintegrating your walk and beginning to drift. And see, the problem is people read this text and they make it about sex. So they decide, well, I won't have sex. Do you know you could be sexless yet worship the God of success? That you're sitting there bowing to all your friends' idols? That you just got to be in front of people? That you got to be at the table? You got to be at this next event? You got to do all these things? Because really what's happening is you want to be seen? You want to be known? You want to be famous? You want to be elevated by the world's eyes? So you start copying your friends' posture? You start following their patterns? We do these groups not so that we can just say we have groups. We do this so that you could have fellowship. I encourage you guys, before you leave out of church, stick around, try to have some fellowship. What was the biggest problem with the pandemic? It was fellowship. So many people were isolated. You know, the, the pandemic felt like everybody was in their freshman year of college. You know what I'm saying? Like when you, that first year when you were tested and you weren't sure, like if you really, really loved the Lord that year, it felt like everybody was all off doing their own thing and they were tested. Do you really believe what you believe? And I slowly began to see people drift. And it wasn't because they didn't have Bible content. It wasn't because they stopped giving. It was because there weren't people around them that were worshiping the God they said they loved. Keep it personal by being around people who keep it personal. And so, so you see his pathway is he begins to worship their idols. He's with all these women. And look what it says in 1 Kings 3 and 4. It goes on to say, he had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines and his wives 
turned away his heart. Notice, his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart, repeated, his heart after other gods. And his heart, listen, was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Here in the text, the author now compares the heart of David to the heart of Solomon. And he shows the idolatry that he had, that his heart went after other gods. And when you read about David, David slays Goliath. David is a warrior for God. David loves God. When you, when you read about David in the Psalms, David is a worshiper of God. It says in Psalm 119 how he delights in God's commands. It says in Psalm 27 how he proclaims his praises loudly. It says in Psalm 100 how to enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. David was a worshiper. David loved God. David was a warrior for God, but also know David was a notorious sinner. Oh yeah, David was a liar. He was an adulterer and he was a murderer. It's not like Solomon was a sinner and David was pure. No, he had a man killed in order to be with his wife. It's the stuff of tabloids. But what is the distinction between David and Solomon Hartwise? What tells the story? What will keep you from drifting? In Psalm 51, David helps us to see. Look at this. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. So notice what David says. I, I, I see that I'm sinning. I know that I'm sinning. But this is the difference in verse 4. And against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. He's not saying he's only sinning against God. He's saying he's ultimately sinning against God. And you see David grieving his sin, but you see David confessing his sin personally unto God, intimately unto God. Do you know Solomon wrote the Proverbs? And do you know how many Proverbs are about wealth? Do you know how many Proverbs are about women and mistresses? Have you read Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes, Solomon goes into detail about all the pleasures of life and the vanity of life. Solomon was very acutely aware with sin. But the difference between David and Solomon is that when David felt conviction, it led him to confession. When Solomon felt conviction, it led him to explanation. He knew how to talk about his sin. And that's one of the sneaky things with people. They'll tell you, yeah, I'm really struggling. I am just, I just can't stop. And it's just crazy how things just, I find myself falling into the same thing. See, people get into this habit where they start ceremonially coming unto God to church and they start talking about their sin, but they never take that moment of saying against you. 
They understand the first part of Psalm 51. I know my transgressions. Yes, that's like Solomon, but they don't say that second part against you and you only. They don't make it personal and intimate. This is why I'm so cautious of you all learning so much about the Bible. I want you to know all the things about the word of God. But some people think it's so impressive to just know, have knowledge and quote scriptures. Doesn't Solomon teach us anything? The man wrote two books of the Bible and yet he walks away from the Lord? Hasn't the last five years taught us anything? All these pastors and leaders falling away from the Lord, they have these huge churches and huge followings. They look so impressive. They have books and organizations and all of these different things, and yet they're falling away from the Lord. Haven't we learned anything? Don't just see Solomon, see you. Knowing about sin does not mean you'll say no to sin. It means you can explain it, but it takes humility to come to God and to talk to God about your sin. And to tell him intimately, that was me, Lord. Against you, I've transgressed. And because that frog gets so intimate with the environment, you'll find yourself excusing yourself for what you're doing. And the conviction is not the same. And what David does is he confesses. We said this last week. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. My mom was a very, is a very discerning woman. And she would leave me and my sister home alone. And she would say something like, don't turn the TV on when I leave. And the minute she would walk out the door, my sister would be like, boom, and turn it right on. Didn't care. No conviction. Nothing. And my sister really knew how to hook it up, right? Like she, she could just look bold face. I mean, bold face. She just had a skill set. I was horrible. Horrible. Melted under the pressure. My mom knew. So she'd wait. See if we cleaned up. And then we'd be sitting at the table. And she'd be like, Vicky, uh, y'all did everything? She'd be like, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 yeah. And my nickname growing up was Bumper. She'd say, Bumper? She would just look at me. I'd be like, mm-hmm, yes, yes. Y'all turned that TV on when I was gone? And I wouldn't look at her. I'd look at my sister. And my sister would be like, don't you do And I would stutter. And it was a wrap. I would say, well, she sees, that's what I told you, go upstairs. Now, because I know people discipline their kids differently, <laughs> we got that behind what, praise God, praise the Lord. And my sister later would be like, 
you're always telling on yourself. You're always telling on yourself. You're always telling on yourself. But what that little look in my mom's eye told me is, I trust you. Because you'll tell on yourself. God wants to trust you. He wants to trust you. He sees you. And you see you. The question is not sin. Will you tell him? Will you tell on yourself? I wonder if we'll stand for a second. And I wonder if we could just create a moment right now where we worship the Lord. And I want you to intimately talk to God about any area of your life right now where just you feel like it's weighing you down and like David. Don't just explain your sins to men. Confess your sin to God. I want to create an atmosphere of worship in this place. We just worship just intimately right now. Just talk to God right now. I'll just talk to him right now. Intimate. Get, make it personal right now. Make it personal. Make it personal. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to be more intimate with you, God. Father, we want to know you more. David say, see if there's any unrighteous way in me. Look inside of me, God. I want to make it personal, God. I want to be intimate with you. Father, would you right now, even now, create an atmosphere of worship? If there's anyone here right now that is uncertain that they're living for God, I wonder if you'd just come up front right now. If you want to give your life to the Lord for the very first time, come now. Where you feel bound up in your own sin. If that not be you, and if we are all believers in here, then I wonder if we could just lift up our hands and worship the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, take my story, take my heart, and make me more like you. Cleanse me from unrighteousness. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.